0: Hey, this is James Butler from the Houston Roughnecks, and this is the XFL Show.
1: More
0: The game is over, and that game check for the New York Guardians will have a little something extra in it this week with the $100,000 bonus split by everyone on the active roster when you win the game. Boy, go ahead and celebrate number 10, because you played sensational ball for your club
1: today. In front of mom, dad, sister, aunt, uncle, 23-16, the final. The Houston Roughnecks in this Texas showdown are going
0: to stay on top. They will remain unbeaten, the lead only unbeaten team, and move to 4-0. Two 100-yard rushers tonight for Tampa Bay. Mark Trestman's team going to find their first Win for the
1: love of football. Win Win, win for the love of
2: football. Win Win football. Win 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 for the love of football. Win Win, win the second 2020. This is for the love of football. And this is the XFL show. I'm Allen. And I'm Bryant. Four weeks of XFL football are in the books, and now New York is back in the groove, and DC is a mess, and Tampa Bay looks like one of the more impressive teams. <laughs> I don't know what's what, but I do know. The Houston Roughnecks are at the top of the heat, Bryant, undefeated, and in the driver's seat of the XFL West. This is episode 118. You want it? We're going to give it to you now. And let's recap week four some more. Look ahead to week five, Bryant. Another week in the XFL, but topsy-turvy the power rankings, though. Those power rankings, though, that we're going to get to.
1: Oh, my. Yeah, we need, to, we need to talk about those here in a little bit, Alan. Those are very, very interesting. Another great week for the XFL. Another great week uh, for us fans. Uh, definitely a lot of great football to be talked about here on our recap for the weekend. Uh, and if you haven't, go back and listen to our instant recaps that we did over the weekend. Oh, yes, sir. Yes. And now we have the camera so I could halt
2: you with my <laughs> hands hold up hold up hold up not just great football to talk about we have great moments to talk about like a coach forgetting the score uh a player throwing his teammate under the bus uh and again again, another another version of that poll questions (laughs) lots lots to talk about and jonathan coachman the coach it's it's tuesday morning well monday tradition what day is this this is actually breaking a record latest recording ever very late night putting this one together, but it's full disclosure. We want to make sure we got it all covered. Also, we're kind of we were waiting to hear about Landry Jones, which we need to discuss. Jonathan Coach though is coming up. I'm excited. The coach of the XFL pregame, we will discuss week four with him and look ahead to week five with him. And uh, we're gonna dink and dunk throughout the league right now. Bryant 724-565-4XFL. If you want to call the XFL fan line, give us your thoughts on week four look ahead to week five. We're going to play some calls on the next show. So call into the XFL fan line. If you want to do that at XFL shows, where you hit us up on Twitter, power rankings came out on Monday, Bryant for our collective rankings that we vote on, on the show. And those got a lot of great reaction, but what do you say we go to Dallas? Cause that's, what's on everyone's mind is the injuries, the Houston roughnecks. They, they it was, it was a, it was a hard fought win for them for sure. But, whew, they kind of beat up the Dallas Renegades.
1: Just had nowhere to go. Hopefully he's all right. Goodness, Hal's got a bad back too, so he's tough. He's, he's a, a ball coach though. That's a couple of hairs out of place, but he's a, all right.
0: That's a football guy through and through right
2: there, man. Hal Mummy, Hal Mummy coached with a broken freaking leg, Bryant, the whole way through. <laughs> did it, and he did a, a sideline interview after that, that tumble he took. I mean, an elderly gentleman. And
1: I think a post-game, if I'm not mistaken, as well, a post-game interview.
2: The, towel, well the, man. the towel did not break his fall, unfortunately. He did not throw
1: it in. I'll tell you that much. It stayed no. around his neck. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. I guess Houston was going after uh, the the players and the coaches in that game. That was a lot of fun. Play fast. Uh, do it again. <laughs> to see all the action in that game. I'm glad he's he's for the most part okay. He got up. He did coach the rest of the game. We found out this morning, Monday morning, that he had a broken leg. Like you said, coached the rest of the game with a broken freaking leg. Uh, not the only leg injury we saw in that game, though, Alan.
2: No, it wasn't. The the one that we were kind of holding off to in the show just to wait and make sure we had the information and you know want to really talk about is Landry Jones going down in that game. And he had an awful game. Threw three picks in the first quarter. It was bad. But Landry Jones, and the fumble. Yeah, can't forget the fumble, scoop, and score. But Landry Jones is the best option. Dallas has a quarterback, and he's won every game, the first two games until this this past weekend for them, and him going down is a severe, severe blow. But the good news is, Bryant, per Art Garcia of XFL.com, Landry Jones' MRI on Monday revealed a reaggravation of the left knee injury. Recovery is expected to be at least two weeks. Way better than the four to six weeks initially thought with that, and possibly missing the entire season.
1: So some hope there for Landry Jones' season. Uh yeah, some some hope there for the Dallas Renegades for Landry Jones uh himself. You saw him devastated. I mean, on the sidelines. He he looked really uh, heartbroken over what was happening. So it's good to see that it's only a few weeks uh, for the man, but uh, what is that going to do to Dallas this season? What are we going to do uh, about picking them going forward? We saw what happened with Philip uh, Nelson in week one. Now he's going to take the helm for at least another two weeks. It seems like uh, these are some crucial games coming up for Dallas. So we'll, we'll get into that on Thursday, but as far as uh, Landry Jones, the first ever player assigned to this, I'm glad he's, he's back or not back, but not as severe as we thought it would
2: be for sure that that's a uh, pretty good news. So that would be uh, you know, the timetable that's week number seven, that they might get him back, which would be a game at Tampa Bay. We will monitor Landry Jones. We'll monitor Philip Nelson and see how he does. He went in there and you know, he moved the ball towards the goal line, but unfortunately uh, turned it over. How do you throw an interception on a bubble? Screen? Okay. So
1: actually fumble is what they're get, calling it. Not an interception. How's that it was a backwards. fumble? It was because it was thrown backwards, backwards, but tipped forward. But it was tipped. They're calling it a fumble and just saying they're calling it a fumble. So it could not hit the ground. As impressive as it was that it didn't hit the ground with that little like fingertip at the very end, it was a fumble. I'm calling that. a am calling that an interception. I don't care what well, anybody tells wrong. me.
2: Whatever. I, mean, be I, I don't care what you tell me or anybody tells me. That was you'd a still be wrong. A great play by Marquise <laughs> Gates and. uh it's 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 over for round one for the Dallas Renegades. They go down in the Texas Throwdown classic game. Can't wait for the next one. Um, but you know, such is life in the XFL. You get your leg broken, then you have to go up into the booth. So I can't wait to see how Mummy in the Norm Chow seat next week. See how he does there, coaching from the booth with his. What's he gonna do? He's got his tiny his tiny little play playbook. And his, and his towel. He's got to sit all the way up there.
1: For that. that's, yeah, that's...
2: <laughs> that's a guy that needs uh, to be on the sidelines. It's a bummer. It's for
1: him. Uh, uh, it, It'll be, but that tiny little playbook. I'm wondering if he's going to have this like, full stat sheet in front of him. <laughs> it, it, it just, just because he can. He doesn't have to worry about having it in his hand. It could all be convenience. Who knows? Maybe this is a good thing for the Dallas Renegades. He's going to have a bigger playlist of, in front of him to call from because he's going to have it in front of him, rather than having to hold it. Maybe the man doesn't like to hold long uh, play sheets. I don't think. No, I just don't think he doesn't have a lot of plays because
2: most of it's like, all right, you run a, you run cross, you run across and hit the guy who's open, and they're just going to run horizontally, find the open guy, Philip Nelson.
1: <laughs> do you think Bob Stoops is only letting Hal uh, Mummy have an index card, like you know teachers in, in school when they let you have like a, che- a cheat sheet for a test? You can only have an index LB's card, Mummy. I don't like, want you to I don't want you to com, convolute this even more. See, see, but now that it's gonna like, be up there 4.5 <laughs> on, on the on the <laughs> All day long. <laughs> great thing.
0: focus, great intensity.
1: Great focus on Here's, your tiny playbook, Hal yeah. Mummy. Here's one thing to close this out real quick. I wonder if Hal Mummy can write on rice. He might. Oh. He might be able to. Well,
2: I, I'm I'm really rooting for uh Dallas to bounce back after that because they're a fun team to watch. And uh I, I became a you know, I wasn't the biggest renegades believer before this season, Bryant. You guys all were, but I became I one this was. weekend. They showed some grit. In I that didn't have game. them in the playoffs. Me neither. But you know that with how wide open the second spot in the West is, I mean, they have they certainly have a shot. Uh, let's dink and dunk some more here around the XFL, um, Bryant. I I I think social media. Reacted pretty well to our power rankings, which we're going to get into in just a moment. But social media all weekend was a lot of fun. The Dallas Renegades Twitter account did not go after you after you said disparaging words about them. I think it's because why they're, are you
0: making
1: this a point? Jeez.
2: They're channeling all, any aggression they would have had at you after a loss. They're gonna just re- reorganize and focus. But I'm telling you, when they get back in the wind column, they're
1: coming for you. <laughs> I, I I just call them like I see them. That's what they pay me for. XFL. who knows xfl
2: shop.com by the way is where you can get your authentic xfl gear dressed like the pros with exclusive sideline apparel including team jerseys player hats coaches hats not the uh jerry glanville nascar boots though i don't think those are for sale on xfl shop.com but pretty much everything else you see on the sidelines is up for grabs there and uh, available for you to get so Get ready for game day with authentic team customized XFL footballs too, like my battle Hawks ball there, which is perched Old on guardians the Stanley, perched on the Stanley cup. And that's kind of fitting because St. Louis, they're, they're the winners of that trophy. So that's,
1: yeah, you timed makes you, you, you planned that, didn't you?
2: Not really, but I'm in the spirit with my <laughs> tees and tops sweatshirts for your favorite XFL team. This is a Seattle before they were dragons shirt. It's a very rare piece right here, Brian. I don't even know if you could. You probably could get this on the shop or before the season started. Get cool stuff like this. Generic XFL hats are my favorite. I'm not wearing mine. Brian's got his on. Everything you need is at xflshop.com. Celebrate the love of football. Get your XFL gear today at xflshop.com. And if you would like to get trucked, play linebacker in the XFL because – I felt like that's all I was watching this weekend were running backs mow over linebackers who were arm tackling. Brian, did you notice a lot of that going on this weekend?
1: I certainly did. P.J. Walker even ran a guy over. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of trucking happening over the weekend. Uh, Alan, you asked who would – what was the question? Who could we tackle? Who would we rather tackle? Poll question. You want one? You want one for X at XFL let's, show? You want let's one? Let's do it. Have, yes. Poll
2: question. Who's the hardest player to tackle in the XFL? I mean, I, I feel like we've we've got some bruisers in this league, and we saw two of them in Tampa Bay, 200-plus-yard rushers, Shaquas Patrick, Devion Smith. I wouldn't want to tackle either one of those guys. Kristen Michael, who can mow you down after Matt Jones softens you up for the Battle Hawks. I wouldn't want to tackle Kristen Michael. P.J. Walker, throw him in there. I just He's the hardest to tackle because you can't catch him. And then, and then probably the fan favorite. I think will get a lot of votes. Bryant, Darius Victor, the five foot six bowling ball for the New York Guardians, who made the L.A. Wildcats look like pretty little kittens. And unfortunately, I was at that game, and they did play that meow 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 meow, meow, <laughs> meow <laughs> song whenever the Wildcats came out. It was very, very tough to watch as a Moss fan. So. They could have tackled Darius Victor, though. He ended the game. He closed he closed the door on L.A.
1: Well, you know, a lot of these uh, running backs, you're talking about power. P.J. Walker showed some strength by dropping that shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, I might add. Smart. Uh, uh, smart, right. Uh, but you also got to think about elusiveness, right? Martez Carter, uh, we didn't talk about him. He He's someone who just makes you look like you can't tackle because Mr. you'll miss him.
2: Excitement. Them. Yeah. yeah,
1: so there's a lot of players in this league that I, I wouldn't want to have to tackle any of them. I'm glad I'm on this side of this microphone and not on the field, uh, but we'll see uh, what the fans say because that will be up on on Instagram and i um, excuse me on Twitter at XFL show. We'll, we'll ask you guys and who you think uh, the hardest person to tackle is in the XFL. You know, you brought him up, so I I must I
2: must give the fans what they want. Six to the boy! Six to the boy! Get well soon, Mr. Excitement. We miss you out there on the field in New York. But uh, you could put them on the poll there. Brian, I don't know how many you could put out on the polls, but there are multiple guys in this league that are tough to tackle. There are some truck sticks being hit in the XFL. Go vote at XFL Show on that poll question. We'll have other polls up for you as well on social media. Anything else to wrap up, dinking and dunking around here? In the league, Bryant, I mean, we covered the big injury for Landry Jones. Any other things from social
1: media that stand out to you, or can we move on? Well, let's move on, because I think we'll save that for Thursday's game. We have some injuries and transactions probably to look at. Uh, but keep those uh, comments and tweets coming, because we'll talk about those. That's kind of our big Thursday show, uh, and especially your YouTube comments. If you're watching us on YouTube now, that's 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 Alan, or that, that's Alan? That, that, that's Alan. I'm Alan. Uh, and I'm Bryant. <laughs> So if you have Wait, are we redoing
2: time. the beginning of the show? Ah, oh, this video's <laughs> screwing everything up. Let's move on and get it to this week's cover two.
0: You want North it? Down. I'm going to give it to you right now.
2: Damn, that was so good. Winston <laughs> Moss does You didn't not, get to see it live. That was the problem. That was so good. Does, Who was well, he talking to? The thing is, I saw because that was, was that like, was it? Right before halftime or a little bit before? All no, I know it is was that.
1: was the second half. Was it? I don't know. It was a fourth and two
2: from his own 30. I, I pulled it up on my phone maybe. I know I saw that clip in the stadium and we were chanting it. Me and my my two cousins I brought to the game. we, we must went, have pulled we're,
1: up like a Twitter or something. Maybe. Yeah,
2: maybe. We were sitting in there freezing. Oh, my goodness. What a cold game.
1: Stop. It wasn't that the, cold.
2: My, I thought my pin, right pinky toe fell off. It was so cold, I couldn't feel it. But then I was just <laughs> screaming, you want it? We're going to give it to you right now. And I don't know what it was. I was hoping it would be an overtime. We were this close, Bryant. We didn't get it. But you want it?
0: Down. I'm going to give it to you right now.
2: It was a game that featured some great Winston Moss. And uh, yeah, we'll, ta- we'll break that game down in just a little bit. We didn't get enough into Winston Moss on the mini- Minnesota Recap. But uh, we need to talk awards. Can I give Winston Moss my star of the week? Can we give him star of the week? Will the league nominate him?
1: Uh, I mean, he lost the game. Do you have to be a player a to win half that time. Best we'll halftime? Best halftime ever. Well, I mean, Mr. XFL, we haven't talked about that since the beginning of the season. Maybe we'll have to talk about that um, uh, before the... Uh, before the end of the season, maybe next week, half, half year awards. Maybe we'll do next week.
2: You want Players it I'm going to give it to you right now. You want half year awards. We'll give it to you.
1: <laughs> Alan, you got, what's yours? Yours is the, uh, the star of the week candidates this week. Uh, I mean, we'll go in there first.
2: I'm not giving out who I think should win it. That's not my award to give out. This is for the people to vote on, but I'm going to vote for probably Jordan Tamu just because he, he, performed so well in that battle dome for all the battle Hawks fans and all of his family that was in town from Hawaii. And I mean, it was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful Saturday evening for him. So give it to him.
1: It was a great game. He is one of the nominees on XFL's Twitter poll for player of the week, the award that has gone to Houston Roughnecks players uh, for the last three weeks, the first three weeks of the season, um, it went to uh, PJ Walker, and then it went to uh, Phillips, Cam Phillips, the last two weeks. Uh, he is going against, Allen. the entire Houston Roughnecks defense is the other nominee uh, for the player, player, mm. singular, singular, player of the week. Uh, star, star so of the players, week. You can... Star s- of the week, excuse me. Player, star of the week.
2: Yeah, it's it's the star of the week, so... I think you could have a you know a collective group can be a, a star. I, I, I took a class one time at the University of Pittsburgh called The Planets. We learned a lot about our solar system. And I believe there's a way that a star could be multiple people. So maybe vote for the roughness. A next. star is born.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jordan Tamu really quick, 20 for 27, 74 completion percentage, 264 yards, a touchdown in the air. Uh, but then he also had 63 yards on the ground. Uh, that is a total of what, what about three hundred and twenty-seven point uh, yards for Jordan and Tommy. That's a lot of offense from one no, man. No, you know what that is? That's a kaka lot.
0: It
2: kinda
1: worked I'm gonna give it to you, but that was uh that was a little bit of a stretch. If you don't know, if you don't
2: Like the the arrow pointing. That's That's what you got. You got because you got to know what (laughs) side you're on. Are you a battler or a hawker?
1: Now, they used to run the next defense. I I thought it was interesting. They did get those five turnovers. uh, So I guess that's why they're being shined, but only one sack. Uh, I don't know if this one's really close. This might be an actual landslide victory for Jordan Tome. We'll find out by Thursday. Uh, But go ahead and vote uh, at XFL 2020 on Twitter.
2: Absolutely. That is the star of the week and the XFL. Uh, voting on the on, uh, line is there now for you fans to uh, give that award away. It's fun to keep track of Will of Houston Roughneck finally not win it. We will find out. What about my personal award I give out? It's the This Was XFL Football Award, Bryant. And it has to go to, well, the sequel to what Matt McGloin did in week two. Uh, Cardell Jones now creeping up for. Uh, Maybe blunder on the sideline of the year? They bench him. One ain't ready. He, he ain't. I don't know what's wrong. He ain't ready. Now, in, in the normal contest, it's not a blunder. Because, you know, that probably has happened a billion times on a football sideline. But this is the XFL. And there are cameras and microphones everywhere all over the sideline, Bryant. I don't know if you've noticed. So, when you say something like He ain't that, ready. When you say your teammate ain't ready, bench him. <laughs> The world hears that, and now you probably are going to have to go talk to your teammate. They might have been, they might have had, you know, an arrangement to discuss the issues anyway. Or Cardale might have said, you know, in his head, I'm going to talk to this guy anyway, without ever getting, you know, whiff of the world knowing what he said. But still, not a great look for the DC Defenders quarterback in comparison to Matt McGloin, I don't know. It seems seemed a little bit more uh, malicious in terms of because he has maybe you know maybe he has some sway over if that guy gets benched DeAndre Tompkins compared to Matt McGloin just calling out his coordinator which I mean I don't know how much influence he has on Kevin Gilbride this one one seemed a little bit more you know malicious intent what's a guy benched. that's his that's food off his table Brian
0: one, one ain't ready he he ain't
1: I don't know what's wrong. He ain't ready. Matt mcloin uh wanted the entire offensive playbook thrown out, the game plan thrown out. That's just paper. I mean, that's pretty bad. And he also said, remember on the sideline, hands down the worst game I've ever been a part of as a professional. I, I think in my career is what he said. And he Those played hey, and he played for the Raiders. We never mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good call. Uh I think it's just it's unfortunate that these players are still maybe not used to the access that we're all getting here. But I think these are things that are common that happen all the time. And you're right. Maybe Cardell Jones had the all intent to go and talk hey, to right. the wide receiver. Maybe Matt McGloin was going to voice his frustration to Kevin Gilbride uh, and his offensive coordinator. Maybe that was going to happen. But now we get this access beforehand, and then now you, you kind of get thrown under the bus before you even have a chance to discuss these things behind closed doors. So oh, good award, the, good, good good nomination for your award. I like it. That's 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 the winner of the award, Cardell Jones.
2: This was XFL football at its finest, right there. And uh, we'll see how the DC Defenders bounce back in terms of their communication and relationship between quarterback and wide receiver. Um, but what about our next award? What about the line of the week, Bryant? I mean, this is always a fun one uh, to give out. Created by our good friend Vince Calfo. Uh, I think we have to go back to what Winston Moss said on fourth down. I mean, we're going to be saying that all year long. You want fourth it? Down.
0: I'm going to give it to you right now.
2: You want it? I'm going to give it to you right now. I mean, I could – that is – put that on a T-shirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to give it to you, aunt. Go and give it right. That's that, that's that kind of maybe you can maybe we could dub the, the two together <laughs> the song and then Winston Moss say, you know, it, it
2: took thing. a while to put this show to put this show together
1: and get <laughs> recorded. You want me
2: to now become a music producer? Leave that to the CFO's dog. Many hats.
0: Many you hats want it? Down. I'm gonna give it to you right now,
1: Moss. Go and give uh, it this... to you. I think this one wins by default because his halftime speech, though, um, that probably well, something not, we can't play on this show. Well, well, we will, but that
2: was not a line. That's not. <laughs> oh, like This has to be a catchphrase to win this award. There's very strict parameters, Bryant. This isn't, you know, just get, This isn't a, you know, a show up if and I want talk it, and get a. You an can award. give it to me if you want the award. You have to have a good line. I'm not just going to give it to you. You want North it? Down. I'm going to give it to you right now. Man, I love XFL access. I can't say it enough.
1: <laughs> Who made Bryant look good? Where's that award going? Oh, man. Who made Bryant look good? You know, sometimes when we uh, sit here, uh, we kind of have to swallow. ecro, <laughs> I guess, sometimes, too, uh, when you don't look good uh, on this week. So I don't know if I could actually give out this award. Well, you know what? Actually, yeah, I am giving, I'm giving it out to myself, Alan. I made Bryant look good. How? Because I picked you went I two. Picked for two. Houston Roughnecks. I was the only person in this entire uh, 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 show to pick the Houston Roughnecks. And Dallas didn't even look that good. I told you Landry Jones was not as good as he thought he was. And he was even worse. I Vince, called it. I'm giving the award to myself. Vince picked the Roughnecks. Yeah, that's a spread. That doesn't count. That doesn't, that's against He the picked that the Roughnecks count. to cover. A, Plus one. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah.
2: Which didn't it Which go little, up like,
1: to two and a half oh, before the game, I, I'm, before kickoff. i I don't know. Maybe that's just that's all Caesar's stuff. I'm just giving it to myself.
2: That's That's, give
1: it to Bro. That is a a cop
2: out and a a half. But I guess if the motto's "Give it," you know, you want it, you get it. Then do it. You want it? I'm
0: gonna give it to you right now.
2: I guess so. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing there, but whatever. I mean, I'm thinking. uh, I'm thinking that if Donald Parham should have won your award again, honestly, he, he played. He played well. He got a lucky touchdown.
1: Uh, Parham, I could have given to him. I just don't want to keep giving it to the same players. You know, I made some calls. I I thought, you know, that um, Austin Prohl would have a great game. He did not. Uh, I thought um, that the D.C. defenders would win. I think I was the only team to pick them as well. Uh, And none of that worked out. So I'm giving it to myself because I called out. You're calling me out that I said Dallas wasn't as good. I'm calling myself out because Dallas didn't win that game. So I'm giving it to myself whatever's clever what about the the celebration of the week i think we could all agree jordan smallwood i mean as long as he keeps scoring why would you give it to anyone else yo jordan
2: you keep doing the orton pose all season long we're gonna give it to you all season long celebration of the week although evan rodriguez of the seattle dragons i don't know if you saw he tried to tug on our heartstrings a little bit and he gave the dx crotch chop chop
1: oh well okay so somebody uh also stunned uh smallwood after he scored his touchdown we didn't really get it on camera until the very or end was it an rko out of nowhere oh maybe that was what it was too one of those two uh but that would have made the celebration of the week for me if i was given out this award but we didn't catch it on television well congratulations to all of week four's
2: award winners they were extremely, extremely uh hard
1: fought and well, well earned. You. I appreciate that. Yes, except they were Brian
2: who gave his own listen, you gave your own award to yourself. You should be embarrassed. It's so
0: If sad. I had one of the greatest. So ever- like, I'm gonna give it to you right now.
1: Yeah, well I it. I gave it to myself, Alan. Uh the other great thing, Alan, that we keep talking about on this show power ranking. Power ranking so much. It's the second part of our cover two here. Alan, I think you and I are, are for the most part in sync when it comes to the power rankings. Uh, we're gonna have to go through these, but we'll go through them real quick here uh, on our power rankings. Oh man, I'm just—I can't believe I'm gonna say this. These uh, are the official—the
2: am- the the amalgamation of all the votes and how the uh, algorithm yeah. puts it together and spits it out. This isn't well, your number
1: eight. The LA MVP. Wildcats. And I don't think they deserve number eight, but that is what the algorithm what said. I have, number seven, I, I Seattle had LA, Dragons. I had L.A. at six or seven. I didn't have them at eight. We had them at six. I did not have him I think at we 8 we had him at 6 i did not have him at 8 8 was a default. Who's at number six overall? I had them at eight, and that's the D.C. Defenders. They have not looked good the last two weeks of this season. Uh, frauds are, are even been called. Uh, number five, the New York Guardians. Guardians. Uh, they showed promise, but there's some there's some question marks there for me still. Uh, number four, and rightfully so, I think they've earned it, even though they've only had one victory, the Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, one of those high powered offenses that we saw finally on display. Number three, they stayed put, so they didn't go up or down. I don't know if we could do something like that. The Dallas Renegades uh, at number three, even though after a loss, they stay put. Number two, uh, the St. Louis Bedhawks. Alan, we're going to get into here if we can actually push them to the number one spot. <laughs>
0: number
1: one spot still to the Houston Roughnecks. Number one on our power rankings. Alan, I think there's a lot of issues that I have with the DC defenders being anywhere above 10. Uh, but I'm I'll, wondering
0: I'll, what the hell you're doing in this league.
1: That's what I'm wondering about the DC defenders at this moment in time. Alan. I asked you who is where we asked coach actually. And I'll ask you before we ask him, uh, who's worse off the New York guardians then, or the DC defenders now. So the guardians
2: after their weeks, two and three losses, or the D.C. Defenders after their shutout loss at Tampa Bay, loss to L.A., back-to-back losses to winless teams, I will go with the D.C. Defenders. The D.C. Defenders only because of what we just talked about with Cardale Jones, because this seems like player-to-player issues, guys not clicking, guys not connecting, guys not trusting each other. Matt McGloin's issue was with coaching, and he's one player, and they got him out of there, or his ribs did, whatever, and Lee Perez goes in there, and he handles the game right. You know, he basically played a Kevin Gilbride game as quarterback. He was not pretty. He didn't ruin the game for them. They ran the ball effectively enough, played some defense, got out of there with the win. Matt McGloin wasn't doing that, and he was one player. Uh, they got off the schneid. Both these teams on the road were. Horrible, horrible road trips. But I think D.C.'s in a little bit more of a rut. This is weird. I just – I said it on the show. Their defense just looks feeble. They can't tackle. Tampa Bay's run game is good, but, I mean, these are professional football players, Bryant. No defense should look like, like they're playing Tecmo Bowl out there trying to tackle Bo Jackson. It was kind of a joke.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't know what's happening with the DC Defenders. I've never seen a team with such high highs in and then such low lows so quickly uh I, I, you know they're going back home so that's good for them but we'll see that they have the uh, St Louis Battlehawks visiting them um, that's our power rankings for this week i I disagree strongly with disagree them with me yes yeah I think is there a case for St Louis to be number one I think it can be made based on how they're playing and how they're eh. winning their games. They've had yeah. better victories the last two, more convincing victories the last two weeks in the Houston
2: Rockets. This was the first week they didn't cover the spread. We have to acknowledge that. Kaká to the uh, Dragons for at least, you know, coming within uh, the spread there, which was 12. Um, they fought hard in the Battle Dome. But St. Louis is the number one. I'm not putting them there. They're not undefeated. And, you know, Houston's undefeated. Show them, show them. Uh, the respect that they've earned. their defense is crazy good, crazy amount of pressures on quarterbacks, turnovers. I mean they're number one in a bunch of categories. If and uh, when uh, they meet again, uh, maybe it'll be a different you know out- outcome, but this team lost to Houston Bryant and I know you know these are power rankings. these are what have you done for me lately? but Houston you've even said it. look, they've played the same game each week. And they've come out with a victory. They are playing winning. They have a formula for winning football. Give them the number one spot. No argument for me against Houston as number one. Uh it's basically number three on down is where you could shuffle the deck and make a lot of arguments. Uh, I think I have Tampa Bay in four just because that win was so impressive. I love their running game. Now that they have one quarterback until Aaron Murray's healthy. <laughs> um their defense looked pretty good, too. They finally stepped up, uh, and those blitzes were working for Jerry Glanville. Um, but there's a lot of arguments to be made. Who the hell knows? You know, one couple of weeks, New York looks horrible. They beat a team in L.A. that just scored the most points in all of XFL history, Brian. Right? I don't know what's what, except that Houston is at top of the heap, and St. Louis could could cop pretty well, too.
1: Uh, yes, they can. We'll see. Uh, these will shift again this week. A lot of great games. We'll get into those on Thursday night. Make sure you're subscribed here to catch that episode. That's the power rankings, Alan. Uh, let's get to the coach. Yeah, he's the coach and he rules and he hosts
2: the XFL pregame each and every single Saturday and Sunday before kickoff. You need to watch that to get you set, get in the right mindset, get you ready. Know everything from the stories with players, the coaches are saying what to expect each and every single XFL weekend. The coach and Elise Ashton are doing an awesome job putting together some Incredible, incredible stuff each week to get fans ready. So definitely check out the XFL pregame. And then we have the privilege, Bryant, you and I, each and every single Tuesday episode of this program to talk with the coach himself, recap the week, look ahead to uh, to the week that's to come. We're going to talk a little bit about week five with the coach, get his thoughts on what he saw. He was in New York freezing his tail off just like I was. Let's get into everything with Jonathan Coachman, host of the XFL pregame on this is the XFL show. Most of the games were closed except that Sunday night game, but I have to start this one off asking you, how about that Tampa Bay Vipers
0: quarterback situation? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I've been very critical of uh, what Tampa has decided to do. And somehow uh, yesterday they managed to beat DC, who we thought uh, was going to be a viable contender. And now they've, proven at least the last two weeks that uh, at least on offense they're frauds right now and so Tampa I mean you got to believe their head coach Mark Trestman you got to believe in the decisions that he's making I don't necessarily agree with them but the results yesterday were what they were so uh, for one week they're successful
1: well coach you mentioned DC uh, they're 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 in a weird situation right now a completely different team from the first two weeks of the season until now But i got to ask you, who's worse off, really? Because New York went through the same situation. Was New York worse off then, or is D.C. worse off now?
0: Well, I think that's a really good question. After watching New York in person on Saturday, they got the win. But Louis Perez, Luis Perez, however you want to pronounce his name, he he looked more in control than Matt McGloin did the last couple of weeks. Uh, But that's not that hard to do, as we've seen Matt McGloin play the last two weeks. Uh, But to me, it was more about the L.A. Wildcats being bad. Uh, after the way L.A. played last week, I expected them to come into MetLife Stadium and throw the ball all over the place and score 30 points, and that just didn't happen. But for me, D.C. is a much bigger story because of the way they started the season. They started like a powerhouse. Cardell Jones looked like a potential MVP candidate, and now he looks like, oh, now we understand why he didn't make that team, or now we understand, and he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out what he's doing wrong and some of the great sound, some of the frustrations. That's what I love about the XFL. It's not all going to be rainbows and, and unicorns. You're going to have players upset and frustrated. And that's what we heard in that game last night. It was a lot of frustration, a lot of throwing you know, their teammates under the bus. And, but that's what fans want. They want to see behind the curtain at all times. And that's what you got.
2: Yeah, we got a real glimpse at why D.C.'s kind of – you know, feeling this turmoil in the in this slump right now, um, they're not on the same page. Their communication is just not there. And maybe that's going on the road. I don't know. Um, but they got a big opportunity uh, coming up in week number five at home. They get back for some home cooking. We'll get to that in a sec, coach. But I want to ask you also week four, we saw some standout performances all over the league. You looked at St. Louis, Jordan Tamu was great, B.J. Daniels stepped up in that game in a losing effort, and, of course, the running backs for Tampa Bay. What player, though, stood out most to you this weekend as maybe the star of the week for the XFL?
0: It's hard to get past every week going directly to the uh, scoreboard and saying, what did B.J. Walker, what did Cam Phillips do this week? And Cam Phillips really didn't do anything. You know, Dallas did a good job of, uh, really bracketing him, and he had, what, one catch for eight yards? Uh, but to me, uh, I go to St. Louis, and what a feel-good story it was for Jordan Te'amu to play terrific. He ran for 63 yards. He threw for nearly 275, and and his family was there, which was cool. They flew all the way from Hawaii, and I believe it looked like there were six or seven. And that, to me, is what, and I posted a video on my social media today, what this league is all about. You've got a quarterback who's really good, really efficient, uh, is the right guy, uh, is a good teammate, is a good leader, and also clearly has a family that adores him and is on the fly 10 hours to watch him play football. He's my guy right now that I look to every week to have a really big game. Plus, they need him to. I think Houston is a much more complete team, but I think St. Louis needs Tayamu to play well in order for them to win.
1: Well, let's stay in the battle dome, Coach, because we saw something that we didn't see out of Seattle for the last few weeks, and that was a second-half performance. Uh, they brought in B.J. Daniels. Uh, what do you think of his performance, and do you think they should stick with him going, you know, going forward?
0: Uh, 100%. One of the frustrations I had with, with Tampa and Mark Tressman is when Tressman does an interview, he goes, well, the reason we brought this quarterback in is because he had a good two-minute drive a week or two ago. Come on. This is professional football. So if I'm Seattle, I need a a bigger sample size. And I hate picking on Mark Trestman, but he's the one that I feel like is doing the worst job of coaching. But in Seattle, at halftime, you you had to um, be in a position where you had to bring somebody else in. You had to. Because if you didn't, and that's what Jim Zorn did. Now, I do want to talk about another thing Jim Zorn did that I think a lot of people passed over on. But he did the right thing, and he left B.J. Daniels in. And B.J. played very, very well. And they almost came back to tie the game after being down 17-3 at the half. But did you guys notice, and this is more along the lines of of the coaches and the interviews, that Jim Zorn didn't even know what the score was? (laughs) Did you guys pick up on that? Oh,
1: yeah.
2: I, yeah I and we talked, we talked <laughs>
0: about this coach
2: actually on the, on the show right before the, the, the weeks, the weekend started, you know, our, our Thursday night show, we said, does Jim Zorn look lost to you at times because sometimes he seems confused. And I didn't know if it's just cause he's kind of this adorable older guy that everybody loves, or if he's actually confused coach. So you think he actually didn't know the score? Cause that's what I was picking up too.
0: It wasn't he. He actually did not know the score. Brock did everything he could to protect him in that interview. He asked him the same question three different ways. And Jim Zorn never realized that it was 20 to 16 when he went for a three-point conversion, which to this date, through four weeks, if I'm looking at the top five dumbest decisions, that would be right at the top. It was unnecessary. You didn't need to. You need to go for one or for two to get within three points or under three. You didn't need a three-pointer. That made no sense. And then to do the interview and say, well, he said, well, if you would have got one point, you'd be down three. And he looked at him and he said, well, when we get to that point, I'll let you know. (laughs) And Brock was like, wait, we're at that point. That's where we're at right now. And Jim never understood that the score was 20 to 16. That, to me, is a problem. And if you're going to evaluate players in the XFL, you have to evaluate coaches, too. And to me, that's a coach that's not in the moment. That's a coach, and I've been very critical of my favorite team, the Chiefs and Andy Reid, for being not the best in-game coach. It's It's a skill, guys, to be so in the moment to know, as a head coach, they've got to do everything. You've got to be a time manager. You've got to be a player manager. You've got to understand everything that's going on offensively and defensively. And clearly Jim Zorn is not doing that. On top of that, he's also calling plays in way too slow. So his team is getting the, – the clock is down to three to four seconds every time, so you can't audible out of it because of the shortened play clock. Those are little things that I think the average fan isn't picking up on, but football people certainly are, and you've got to be better.
2: Yeah, and the thing about the XFL is these coaches are in as much of a spotlight as the players now because we're watching them coach live and in the moment, like you said. And June Jones is live and in the moment. He's berating referees, handling the play call, and he's killing it right now. They're undefeated. That Texas throwdown, I mean – that, that lived up to the hype for me. What about you, Coach? Because I thought that was an excellent game. I thought those are two of the better coaching staffs going. But the Houston Roughnecks, man, they pulled it out again undefeated.
0: It, it's clear that Houston right now is the, uh, the best team in the league, and they should be the favorites. Uh, they have the best quarterback. They have the best wide receiver. And then They have the best coaching staff. And the one thing I love about June Jones and that's the staff is they, they don't care if the cameras are there. Mm-mm. And that, that's, the, you know, any great reality show, any great athlete, you know, they get so into the game that they're not worrying about the TV cameras. And that's when you get the magic. And that's when you get the the, the money. He doesn't care. He's been coaching too long. If people see what he's doing now, he's like, listen, I've been doing this 40 years. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if everybody knows what I'm doing. And I think there, this is also a chance for the coaches to get more creative because I know a lot of the coaches, and you guys have heard this too, they're complaining because everybody gets to hear their play calls. Well, be a formation, have ten plays out of that one formation. That's, that's what you do. And so I think it's the it's ability for the, the coaches, instead of to complain, to get creative. And a lot of the coaches are getting creative. And then some of the other ones don't like it. But, again, if everybody likes everything, that wouldn't be any fun. Now, would it? <laughs> No, and then you see that Juju Jones adapts
2: to it. You know he he has those receivers really choosing their own routes a whole lot. That's why this this offense has been so effective. It's very uh, fluid and, and, and trusting of the players, which is what it's all about. And you see them out there executing whenever they need a big play. And then conversely, I think <laughs> Dallas is in the right spot. They just they're off to these slow starts. How <laughs> mummy with his really tiny play card coach. Uh, he was you know he called it <laughs> an OK game, but at the end at the end they have the backup quarterback in. there at the goal line and they throw a bubble screen that gets picked off, do you
0: think they should have ran it there? Well, I mean, hindsight, you know what they say, is always 2020. 20 But uh, any time you have a backup quarterback in the game, you are forced to run a conservative play. Now, the more conservative play would be to run it. But at the same time, when you get inside the five, I think a lot of coaches, especially in today's football, they don't like to run it up the middle. They like to take it to the edge. They like to take it to the side or throw a bubble screen like that. It just didn't work out. Um, So I don't think you can second-guess him. You're not going to drop him back and have him fire a bullet into the end zone when he's just coming in and he's not warmed up. So I didn't mind the play call. It just didn't go their way. That was a wild pick
1: it was mm-hmm. uh standings standings wise coach though let's everybody in the league is either in the playoffs or one game out so there's some parity there but Houston with that huge two game lead uh, in a 10 game season that has to be the key for for their success right now is that they're two games up uh six games to go and everybody else is still fighting for
0: that position yeah it almost feels like it's like made for for them to win this first year's championship because uh, we just announced where the championship game is going to be at. It's going to be in Houston. It would essentially be a home game for them if they make it uh, to that point. Uh, but right now, uh, if if it continues to go this way, they wouldn't even have to leave home <laughs> to win the championship when you get to the playoffs because of the way that the playoffs are structured. Uh, so to me, they're the team to beat. Gaining two games in six weeks is very, very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Uh, So I would be shocked if they give up their lead between now and the playoffs. But for me, it begins and ends with them. Sure. In a 10-week season, two-game
2: lead, that does feel kind of insurmountable. And now L.A.'s uh, behind the eight ball. You thought they might be surging and, and, and becoming a threat in the West, but they went to New York and lost Coach. I was at that game. I was freezing. Brian, I'm still trying to warm my toes up. I don't know if Coach was as cold as I was.
0: I can tell you this, that at halftime, my butt was no longer on the sidelines, <laughs> and I went all the way up to the press box to watch them up there. Holy smokes. It was When it started snowing, I knew that no matter how many people were screaming my name and wanting a picture and an autograph, and trust me, boys, there were a lot of them. Of course. But I said, you know what? Can't do it anymore. I've got extra stage left. And I was with my partner, at least uh, – Ashton is her stage name. Uh, but she's my co-host on the pregame, and she used to be a Jets cheerleader. So you've never gone to a game till you've gone to a game with a former Jets cheerleader in the stadium where she was cheering at. That's a pretty cool uh, situation because she knows everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. loves her. We didn't have to show our passes anywhere. It was wow. the first time that I actually was on the coattails of somebody else, and I kind of <laughs> liked it. <laughs> a lot. had a
2: lot better access than I did, Brian. I was with. I took my cousins to the game. I had a pass, but they still wouldn't let me. They're like, "No, no, 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 no. You keep those kids in the stands. They're too wild,
1: sixteen-year-olds." Well, you're not the coach. That's pretty much it. What, what that is, <laughs> coach. We we asked Oliver Luck this, and I want to ask you this because going to a game is such a different experience, but also watching it on television is also a completely different experience. I think more so than in any professional league. Really, you have to watch this game twice, right, when you go to it and then you have to watch for the access when you get home.
0: That is the best part of this. Part of the reason that that live events uh, are the number one thing for advertisers to advertise on is because people don't tape it. You you don't watch a football game over. You don't watch a basketball game over because you already know the score. In the XFL, I believe that a lot of people go home and tape it and watch back what the reaction was from whatever plays their favorite teams scored on. That's a pretty cool thing because if you don't, then you might miss out on a really good interview. You might miss out on on something you're not paying attention to. Uh, So 100%, there are so many uh, nuances of an XFL game that you would want to address later on when you get home that you wouldn't normally do with uh, an NFL game. And I think that's awesome. It really is. But I'm telling you guys, within the next five years, this is going to be the norm. We're not going to be talking about this like, oh, we're doing something revolutionary. We know we're doing something revolutionary. And it's going to be the norm. And players who don't want to participate, like Brooks Kepka, you guys know I do PGA Tour events. Yeah. And I will tell Brooks to his face, and I've said it on Morning Drive when I host on the Golf Channel, that these athletes, especially the elite ones, they've got to be prepared to be in the spotlight, do interviews, tell us what it's like in the moment. And their their office is no longer just their office anymore. It's 2020. We can't go back to 1995. And so these athletes seem to embrace it. And I think most in the XFL really has, But across the board, you're going to see it in every sport. You just saw this year for the first time, PGA Tour doing interviews on the course. First time ever. Because the players didn't want to do it. And I told DJ tour, I said, Do you or do you not pay the players? Are they paying you or are you paying them? Right? Yeah. So uh, you uh, you can't what, always let the, the, the players dictate everything. Yeah. That's Sometimes what we this want. is what's good for everybody. That's what we're doing.
2: Yeah, that's what we want as fans. I want to see Aaron Murray as the backup quarterback it's explaining the play as it's going on. It was incredible watching the Tampa Bay Vipers at DC defenders yesterday. Raheem Moore in that game too had a pick. That one good play for DC had a pick, and then they talked about the bench. He explained in detail what went into the preparation for that particular play. It was the most fascinating thing maybe of that game, which was twenty-five to nothing. And then not to mention all the promos we get uh, cut by Jerry Glanville wearing his NASCAR boots, coach. That's <laughs> what it's all all about Uh, you're right it's the future and I can't wait till it becomes the norm as we let you go though this is kind of our poll question we're asking amongst each other and amongst fans this week because we saw some running backs trucking guys this past weekend I want to ask you who would you rather rather tackle if you had to tackle one of them Darius Victor the five foot six bowling ball for the New York Guardians or Jacques Patrick the behemoth running back for the Tampa Bay Vipers
0: Ooh. Um. Well, since I stood next to uh, Vic uh, on Saturday, and I know I'm a lot bigger than him, I'm going to go with him. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, just because I stood next to him, and I think that I think that I can handle that. Uh, you got to understand, you're asking a guy who's been beat up by the biggest true. stars in the world, and yep. so uh, getting hit by one of them is nothing like taking a, a, a tombstone pile driver from the Undertaker. Done that. Mm-hmm. Power slam by Batista, done that. Goldberg ripped me in half. He's the new universal champion, been there. So so. I think I could take both, but I don't, I'm not telling you that it would be fun for either one, to do no, either one.
2: You know, actually, you're the guy we ask that, that actually has all the credit. You have more collective time in the Royal Rumble than both those guys combined, too. So actually, you'd fare
0: pretty well. I've, I've often said that, and for some reason, people don't respect all the time I've spent in the ring during a Royal Rumble. 37 <laughs> minutes one year I spent in the Royal Rumble. I dare anybody <laughs> to stay in the ring when all these big guys are in there beating each other up, and somehow I managed to last 37 minutes, and I'm Please. very proud of that. So thank you guys for pointing that out, and I didn't have to.
2: Oh, we always Whoa. will, Coach. You're, you're <laughs>
1: definitely the, the smartest guest we've ever had on the show for sure, Bryant. Yeah, Maui Wowie, Coach. That's incredible. Uh, Make sure to catch Coach every single weekend on the XFL pregame show with Elise Ashton. Thanks, Coach, again for joining us. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, boys. Be good. Thank you to Jonathan
2: Coachman. And remember, you can catch the XFL pregame this Saturday and this Sunday right before kickoff on XFL.com, XFL YouTube, all XFL social channels. And, uh, man, the Coach – I mean, we we do sometimes forget that that man has been in a Royal Rumble, Brian. I I I I had to remind fans because sometimes people forget.
1: Uh he 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 got to give him his cred. Man's been through a lot. Uh, he's he's been in Connecticut for a long time, and not just for sports, but also for sports entertainment. So you got to give him uh, his credit there. Uh, thanks to the coach, always nice and good to talk to him. Uh, he was not not uh, very happy with what the DC Defenders are doing right now. <laughs> calling them out, and I like it because it's true. Right now we don't know who these the, the D.C. defenders truly are, and I guess we'll find out here in a couple of weeks.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to find out right away. This week, man, they got St. Louis coming to town, which, I mean, I'm probably going to be talking about that as the biggest game of the week for me when we get to our predictions on the next episode. But the coach, you know, he also, I love how he always points out the future is – is look, it says it on my shirt. The future is here. The future of how these games, how sports in general are going to be covered and how it's all happening in the XFL right now. He is always astute to point that kind of stuff out that, you know, when we see Cardell Jones, Matt McGloin, uh, you know, throwing pl- players and coaches and teammates under the bus in the heat of the moment. Hey, ready. Winston Moss ranting his head off and Jerry Glanville just looking, I mean, cool as as hell. I mean, the coach really pointed that out and got me excited just thinking about how in general, as a sports fan, the era of coverage we're going into and how it's all being ushered in by the XFL. uh, It's really awesome to think about and who the hell knows what will happen in week five with – so much on the line for these teams. You know, desperate D.C., desperate Seattle. Man, it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess L.A.'s a little desperate too, aren't they? Yikes. But they're home, and nobody likes traveling cross-country in this league. Looking at you, Tampa Bay. Do snakes travel? Hiss. Yes. That'll come up on the next episode. Let's get into the recaps, the final recaps of week number four, Bryant. And before we do, just real quick reminder – to tell everybody about the xfl app it is the official app of the xfl you can get real-time scores stats and scoring plays. so when you are listening to these recaps or watching them on youtube hi hi how are you doing out there if you're watching us listening to us you grab that xfl app on your phone follow along go through the stats while we're talking about the game that's what we do i'm at the game i got the xfl app open You got insider videos, too. I mean, you want to see a classy celebration with a Bud Light seltzer? You go on the XFL app. You got all the social channels right there in the palm of your hand in one spot. And also get the latest XFL news from across the league. The XFL app gets you ready for game day with the latest team updates and venue information. Customize your favorite team. Follow all eight teams. At home, in the stadium, or on the go, the XFL app is your source for everything. XFL, download the official XFL app for free today. Now we're ready to get into it. Bryant, are you prepared for Winston Moss? If not, I'm going to tell you right now earmuffs, dude.
0: Shut the f- up. I'm f- talking. When adversity strikes, who are you? Do you think f- it's going to be easy all the f- time? Hell no. The guys that not can rise to the occasion
1: are. All right, Dana, over there in the New York locker room, what do you got?
2: I like how the the ABC broadcast was like, oh, I mean, after like eight or nine (laughs) cuss words, maybe we should go to the New York locker room now. I don't know if our affiliates (laughs) will appreciate the language. (laughs)
1: uh, yeah some strong words from him at halftime Uh, didn't seem to motivate the team too much though Still came out with that L
2: Ah, well I don't think yeah you know it could have been a lot worse for LA you know when I was thinking about this they they should have won I heard a lot of people saying LA should have won this game but really their one Mikael McKay dropped Bryant from this being a two score loss that could have happened. That was an easy touchdown that he just let slip out of his hands.
0: Protection's good. Coverage must be good, too. it. Oh,
2: that was, I mean, a wow moment. I think you
1: texted me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. That, that was, uh... <laughs> I couldn't believe that <laughs> he dropped that. Yeah, but either but way, I, I think...
2: Credit credit to the man. Let's give him his love. Let's give him his respect. Scored a touchdown in this one,
1: too. Alan, I'm, we're rolling through the highlights right now on YouTube, so you can do whatever you want facially. I think, if I'm not mistaken, somebody did the La, La Parca dance after a touchdown. Really? Yes, I think we're going to go, we might have to go back and actually watch that. <laughs> you're <more time. laughs> right. I think you're right. Re- rewind for like 10 seconds. Go back and look at that. If you're listening to us on YouTube, that was uh, incredible.
2: Mikael <laughs> McKay did the uh, the LeBron powder dance. He did that, the powder with the ball, and he threw the ball yep, in the air. He like did. It, was no,
1: it was a wildcat. Whoever scored the, the second touchdown for the Wildcats did the uh, Laparca strut. Oh, that was, um, that was the, the Penn State wide
2: receiver, wasn't it? It was uh, Blacknall. Saeed Blacknall, yeah, I think Escort. so. Yeah, he did. He did this thing. Yes, he did. Did he do the leg thing too? No, <laughs> no. no, no might, we might have to go back and look. I'm uh, Alan, I'm loving. I'm
1: loving the celebrations lately in the XFL too. <laughs> uh, La held New York to three points. You know what? La is a couple field goal kicks away from winning this game. Uh, they did not uh, obviously make those. Uh, to to get that close, so regardless, uh, I expected LA to have a great game, and they did not. I expected them to come in and and dominate this game. They did not. Uh, New York was on the ropes, and and LA was on a high, and they could have uh, easily easily taken this game. And to only come in with four to come out with fourteen points, no rushing game whatsoever. I mean, this was bad. They didn't have any rushing yards the week before, and we talked about it a little bit. But really nothing in this game, and that was pretty pretty bad. But Oh, uh, Brian,
2: actually, you know what? Speaking of this game, we have a special guest on the show right now. We'd like to invite uh, Jarrell Owens into the show. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, here's Jarrell Owens. He uh, had a great game against L.A., Brian. I don't know if you noticed, but this man, the defensive end for the Guardians, uh, he had two sacks in this one uh, and three tackles and they were all behind the line of scrimmage, I believe, or, or two of them were. He was in the face of Josh Johnson. How, how easy was it for you to get after Josh Johnson in this game, Jarrell Owens, knowing that you were going against the big offensive line for the Wildcats? Uh, oh, he's, he's watching his mouth. He saw Cardell Jones on the sideline. He didn't want to say anything. He shouldn't. I respect that. Thank you, Jarrell. Man, what about that? I, LA, L.A. couldn't block this guy. Bryant, this guy was wreaking havoc, along with Boonmi Rotimi in this game. Credit to New York, man, their defense stepped up in it too. LA only scored three points in that first half. I think Owens might have even had his hand on
1: the the one block punt uh, field goal too. He he might have. It was it, look. Uh, am I going to sit here and say that New York didn't do what they had to do to win this game? No. Did Luis Perez have the greatest game though? No, he did not either. Uh, Josh Johnson outplayed him. But in the end, it's all about the W, and that's what uh, the Guardians were able to do. You know what? Luis Perez did come up with a great play uh, when he was under pressure to get that touchdown where he uh, he called an audible and flicked it over uh, to his wide receiver for that touchdown. But or what about still, that f- scramble he had to Colby Pearson, right tightrope
2: around, tight around the sideline too? That was a pretty clutch play, man. Luis Perez, is it's not pretty, but he gets it done. It's bowling shoe ugly. For Luis Perez. And, hey, he's a bowler. So that's that's kind of his game.
1: The strut's happening right now on YouTube. He, yeah, he totally did that strut. That, that's something we have to look at again. Uh, oh, oh <laughs> for our podcast listeners, I totally see this This YouTube thing is
2: new. Uh, when I said Jarrell Owens was on the show, I, I showed on
1: YouTube a, a a Godzilla toy, which is pretty rad. I'm not right? going to even yeah, – it's great cool. that you have a Godzilla toy in your office. Oh, that's great. uh grown man. <laughs>
2: I'm a grown man, and I got a Godzilla toy right next to my, my desk. That's what I do.
1: Alan, any, uh anything to close out this game? I think L.A., you know, they have Tampa coming in, so that's not going to get easier for them. Uh, New York is – uh what are they, they? I think they're hosting? No, they are going oh, to Dallas. They're on the road
2: at Dallas, man, yeah. and that's not going to be fun for them. I think L.A. is going to really love being home. Um, They missed a bunch of opportunities, which with Winston Moss acknowledged that too. I mean, I – Guess I give them the caveat they were missing Mr. Excitement and Nelson Spruce in this. But I mean Honestly, they just they just were having issues, I think, with with stopping the run and making, you know, giving their offense opportunity. their offense missed opportunities too, but I also got to give some credit to the run game of New York. They really kind of put the clamp the, the stamp on this game and, and finished it off the right way. I this was this was a freezing, frigid, cold. This is the kind of bad, like bad weather that that would contribute to a poor performance, such as LA. I don't want to make it. I'll make excuses for them since they won't. I I think there's, it's it should not be shocking or upsetting that LA blew this one. They did blow it. I think, but New York came to play too. They didn't make mistakes. LA could get over this loss, Brian. I really don't think this is too damaging. It was not, you know, a- after all, an XFL West contest for them
1: either. And one game back. They're just as far back as they were when they started the week uh, from a playoff spot. So, you know, next next, next game, you just move on. Next play, next game, and that's what the Wildcats do. But you're not going to win a lot of games when you have 40 yards rushing and when you let in as many rushing yards as they do, and that's what Tampa likes to do uh, coming in late game. Late game on Sunday, so stay awake. I guess they got kind of rowdy or upset that we scored, and I understand it. What a difference this second half has made with B.J. Daniels in at quarterback.
2: All right, on to Seattle and St. Louis, which I have been running on the TV over here on a replay, third time watching this game, just to see what Tamu and B.J. Daniels did in it. And Really a, a surprising game. A tale of two halves, Bryant, as we said on the mini-sode. Um, but the more and more I think about it, Jim Zorn might have cost them this game. I i really... I wouldn't give him that much. Come on. I mean, just sticking with Silver's too long, not knowing the score. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a few decisions in this one that were kind of... I, I was just scratching my head. Um, especially with the offensive play calling, just the, the lack of urgency early in the game. See, Seattle's a team that I feel like they could score at any moment. They've A lot of their plays are big plays all season long. Um, but to fight back in this game is super impressive to me, just knowing personally, experiencing the Battle Dome, Bryant. I mean, you didn't expect this to be a one-score 23-16 game, did you?
1: Uh, Absolutely not. I don't think any of us really did, but at the same time, Seattle was actually able to put a second half together. It's something that they haven't been able to do all season long. The problem is that they weren't able to put a first half together, and it was just kind of flipped uh, for them. B.J. Daniels coming in and doing what he did uh, really did light a spark on this team, uh, and he had a a great coming out performance. Uh, There's no way that Seattle doesn't start him in their next game in Houston. Um, but it's it's a sneak. I mean that that changes that game uh, mightily too. By the way, the the Seattle at Houston game. We'll get into that on Thursday. Uh, but with BJ Daniels at quarterback, uh, he had that one interception to kind of end the game uh, towards the end of the game. But that was kind of I mean he had to make a play. You're running out of time. You have to get down there and try to score a touchdown for your team to get into that um, to get into that end zone. So regardless, Jordan Tamu though still great uh, this week. Uh, he did more. Then, uh, he had to, to, um, how do I want to put it? He did more than he did the week before.
2: Yeah. He didn't, he didn't have to do as much, Bryant. but his family was in town. So, you know, good for him. He got to do a whole lot and show off for them a uh, real quick. I want to give an update on the defensive back for the dragons. Muhammad Sise, who went down on a helmet to helmet and was stretchered out of the battle dome, uh, went numb on the field. They said, uh, had x-rays and further testing and was kept overnight in st louis and uh you know we wish him a speedy recovery that was a pretty violent hit in that game um this game was uh pretty chippy as bj daniels in that clip we played mentioned too these two teams were getting at it and that's just kind of the nature of the of what the battle hawks do they get they seemingly are a team that's getting in team other teams heads bryant two weeks in a row uh they've they've developed some skirmishes and, and pulled that out of their opponents. What do you think that means going forward? Does this team have grit or are they a dirty team?
1: No, I don't think they're dirty as long as they're not pulling people by their legs for five yards after they Wait, they them. did that. <laughs> <laughs> they did do that. They only did it once. It's fine. Will Hill, uh, I think, maybe learned not to do that. Uh, the, this team, you talk about a team that's playing with a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence, a lot of we're the best. That's what the uh, – St. Louis BattleHawks are doing right now. Their fans, we were there, Alan, are thinking that too. Now you know that that, that swag, that step, that pep in their step—no pun intended—with uh, their next week's opponent. But uh, they're gonna—that's how they're rolling right now. They're not a dirty team. I'm not gonna say that, but they are a team that definitely uh, needs to chill a little bit and just kind of worry about the football. Uh, but it's fine. They're winning games, so you can't really fault them at this point.
2: And they got an offensive line that just comes to work with their two-by-fours in hand, and they go and they mow them down, baby. That running game is looking nice, and they were protecting Tamu. Are you kidding Top, who are you? Yeah, well, we got you. keep to now, props so out of here. I'll just wait. I'm have props galore. I don't know. What do I, I got this thing. What can I do with this? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Magician. Is that
1: a coaster? Yeah, it's, it's a coaster. It's a soft. Is that a coaster. knitted coaster?
2: It is it's a very a nice coaster. Ma- given to me by an LSU Tiger fan. Look at that purple and gold there for you. Beautiful. Hold that tiger. All right, but before we move on from this game, we need to discuss the most important thing from it, and that was Jim Zor not knowing the score. Well, B.J. moves the ball up and down the
0: field. Just curious the decision to go for three there. Well, what's the you know, process? it's the fourth quarter, so, uh, you know, if we get three points, we I thought we had a, a good play on. Um, we hit it, in the, I think, I don't know, if, have you seen the replay yet? Put it on his chest. Yeah, you put it on his chest. So, you know, we're taking an opportunity, but that gets us, now that gets us uh, one touchdown away. So uh, we'll keep scoring. We're going to try to win this Game. So being in the fourth quarter,
2: more important than that point being just a field goal away if you go for one? Uh, no, I'll, I'll think about that when I get there. <laughs> all right, Right on, Zeke. Thank you, bud. You can see the math right now is a little bit different for these head coaches who yeah. all their lives have been brought up thinking multiply by sevens, basically. Yeah, and there was a little confusion there. Yeah. Okay. Kurt Menefee gets my award for the nicest man in the world. For that comment at the end. Just very, very gentle. Bringing Jim Zorn uh, to to the center stage there for all the world to see him in all of his adorable glory. Not knowing the score, Brian, as Jonathan Coachman told us earlier. I mean, I watched this and I was maybe lured by Jim Zorn. And maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was so confused because he was so confused. And I was thinking... What, what does he know? Is he some football wizard that I don't understand? No, he definitely shouldn't have gone for three. So obviously he did not know the score and ha, that has to be um, the case.
1: What's the saying? Uh, football is 90% mental and 20% physical. What is it? Something like that, right? That's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I think that can be replaced now by what Jim Zorn uh, did it, it, I don't want to fault the man for everything because he was not supposed to be calling the plays heading into this season. He had to take it over. It's a language that he's not used to. Uh, Mike Riley's still not with the team after leaving the team before the season started for personal reasons. So I'll give him that. But in the fourth quarter, you have to know what you're doing and why you're going for it. And this you know is what? not Somebody-
2: play calling. This is simple math. Three, <laughs> two, one. Come on. Let's. I last week was the Zorn apologist. Got to stop it with this. Okay. Jim Zorn. Come on. Oh my gosh! What? What do you? Were you? What? Where's the explanation? We still want one. I mean, okay, that was on the field at the in the moment. Maybe we're not going to get a straight answer. Don't you think we should get one now, Brian? Is anyone going to ask Possible. Jim Zorn? Please re-explain, or at least laugh about it and just admit, yeah, I didn't know. I thought. You we think were anybody? Down-
1: do you think anybody in Houston will have a sign that says what's the score?
2: <laughs> it should maybe Zorn just was subscribing to, right. to go for three, baby. June Jones does.
1: No, he's not the first coach to ever have have this happen to him. I know we're getting the only reason, and the only reason we're talking You've about. You gotta this be season. kidding me. Is because yep. of the access. Really, that's it. I'm sure this has happened many times to many coaches all season long, all the time. Yes especially then, with these confusing point rules that are new to all these they're four games in come on confusing come on this is not that that's silly i mean I, maybe he had that chart we have to pull up that chart on xfl.com of when you're supposed to go for it and when you're not and i'm sure that might have been something that says you have to go for three maybe it's if you're three. down by four
2: by all means go for three for, as far as i'm concerned
1: but well, you pro- have a sign up there the, this, the analytics, prob- the chart probably well, says go for one When or we two. get to that point, we'll talk about it then. <laughs> oh, man. I got screwed up. I just got screwed up. Jim
2: Zorn is actually the surprise of the year because right now I think he's leading Winston Moss in terms of sound bites we've ripped from him from his sideline interviews compared to Winston Moss over the season. Uh, that That is a race we're going to have to keep up on, Brian, who has the most sound bites uh, as a head coach. Man, that was bizarre and spectacular. Gotta love the XFL access. And uh, you have to love the Houston Roughnecks because, man, they just play great football, and they played more of it in the first ever Texas throwdown.
0: They got a tight end and a three-point stance. Instead, they get it to Nagel, and that play is not going to go anywhere. As a matter of fact,
1: it's picked off. What? Will on Is it for and has it for Houston. All
2: right, that was an interception, but also credit to uh, Greg Olson there on the call for ripping off Little Giants. They got the guards in the backfield. They,
0: they got the center to the right. And, and the quarterback isn't even there. They're
2: standing around, but. You got a tight end in a three-point stance. You <laughs> <laughs> got a tight end in a three-point stance. The quarterback's under center. What the hell's the hell, mummy doing? Oh my goodness, it's an interception. I mean fumble. <laughs>
1: uh, what? 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 <laughs> uh, Alan, it was a uh, great game uh, to to watch on television. A lot of interesting factors. A lot of but great things happening. It
2: was it was finished on that play so abruptly. I have to admit, I was shocked. I I thought we were going to get a big touchdown and similar to the L.A. game, but much more exciting. Uh, maybe in overtime. I don't know. But like for it to end like that was just stunning to me. And if you're a Renegades fan, oh, I feel for you. That was crazy. They were right on the goal line. But, yeah, that was a really awesome game. The fact that, what, four turnovers, Bryant, for the
1: Renegades and Landry Jones. to even Three be in, in that- the first. Three interceptions in the first quarter.
0: Even uh, his be in defense that game kept that him say. in that
1: game. Yeah, his, his his defense kept him in that game. We talked about it on our post game. Uh, three interceptions by Landry Jones. Only two field goals in the first quarter uh, by the DC. Uh, me, by the the Houston Roughnecks. Uh well, what can be said? I said Alan, and I still stand by this. At no point in that game that I feel like the Houston Roughnecks were going to lose. I I felt like they
2: were in danger with Dallas up at the goal line and and you know they it looked like maybe the ball luck was swinging their way and Philip Nelson was getting got a call and he looked pretty confident out there, um but like that the Roughnecks man they will they'll just they'll get you they are but even even they
1: are opportunistic football team is the word even when the Roughnecks were up by one. When it was twenty-one to twenty, didn't you feel like the Houston Roughnecks were just going to stop Dallas and then go down and score a touchdown and probably a three-point conversion?
2: <laughs> probably. That's how I felt. Point. Well, I felt like I felt like the the Renegades were shutting down Cam Phillips all day, doing a great job. Josh Hawkins was shadowing him, and all they had to figure out was a way to get a, get Nick Hawley out of the game. He was everywhere for Houston, and I felt felt like. Dallas defensively was also starting to get hands up, get after P.J. Walker a little bit after he trucked one of their guys that kind of woke up. I don't know. I just felt like Dallas was in that game. For me, it abruptly ended. I thought it was going to go down to the wire. It, I mean, it kind of did, but even closer to the wire. Um, the Renegades, again. I mean, fumble you fumble the, at the goal line, you can't really get closer to the wire at that point. <laughs> Well, I mean, in terms of the timing of the game, was that in the last two minutes? I mean, that was right Two red the zone two
1: fumbles, fumbles really changed this game. If you think about it, uh, turnovers. The Dallas running games fumble in their own red zone, and then their their fumble in the uh, in their uh, in the Houston red zone uh, really changed this game. Uh, but you know what? Again, I'm just saying. I never thought that uh, Dallas was going to win this game. Well, and, you know we're looking at Landry Jones's injury right now, and by the way, that did happen with under two minutes. That fumble.
2: Wow, I I can't i and they still could have got the ball back. Like, I mean, yeah, they, but they couldn't stop him Houston closed. They had him
1: pinned down in their in their on their goal line. Houston was back there, and and they, and PJ Walker got him out of their first throw. So. Well, now it with Landry, eight. now with
2: Landry Jones out, seeing that he throws three interceptions in one quarter, do you think Dallas is at all better off with Philip
1: Nelson at the helm for two weeks at least? Oh no, not at all. I, I mean, I think what's what's good is that they've shown that they can succeed with a struggling quarterback. In that Landry Jones, you know, Philip Nelson wasn't Philip Nelson was not Landry Jones bad in this in the first game. But Landry Jones also made some key throws. Now, can Philip Nelson make those key throws? That's the other question you have to ask yourself. It's kind of like that Brett Favre effect. Do you take the touchdowns with all the interceptions? Uh, do you take the positives with all the negatives that Landry Jones brings you?
2: Man, uh, well, Landry Jones, far from Brett Favre, uh, in terms of you know <laughs> Mister Excitement, um, I would get. I would call Philip Walker the Brett Favre of this league, but. I do want to say this as well, and I want to put this out there as we close up talking about the Texas throwdown. Houston winning this game for me, uh, expected by most. I picked Dallas to win, and seeing as how Dallas only lost by a touchdown and an elusive one-point conversion, which are hard to get, I th- I'm going to go out and say now after four weeks, we have a pretty good idea of these teams. I'm going to say right now, Dallas is the biggest underachieving team in the XFL. They should mm. be better than two and two to me. They throw, they have five turnovers to one against the undefeated team in the XFL. And they They come within the goal line at the last two minutes of tying the game still, still in it. It is a talented team. It's a well-coached team. I, I love the scheme on offense. I love what the defense is doing more and more. They look prepared every week. They should be better than two and two. More so than any other team and and what their record says about you, you are what your record says you are. But right now I think Dallas could be better than
1: two and two. Uh well, you look at their losses and against two of the better teams in the league, uh the, the same two as the and the Houston Roughnecks, right? And there are two wins on the season, Allen. Uh well that's against the LA Wildcats, and then I believe they Seattle. beat the Seattle Dragons on, on the road. So their wins don't outweigh their losses, I'll tell you that much, and their performances in those games weren't all that great. They can run the ball. I like what the, what I'm seeing, but I'm, I'm, I had them below Tampa this week in my power rankings because I feel like Tampa uh, shows more dominance. Like right now, if Tampa and Dallas were to play, uh, who would you pick? I think I'd pick Tampa. Depends where that
2: game is brother. Cause the traveling in the XFL is not easy. What'd we have another weekend in Tampa? We had another weekend of, uh, of home teams winning only one road team to win. And that was Houston. The only team ever to win in the state of Texas. And, uh, well, the only team from Texas to win in Texas, St. Louis won in Texas. Got to give them their credit. Um, Yeah, this uh, Dallas team, I think, is better than their record says they are. Bob Stoops, uh, afterwards in the locker room, he he picked his guys up, and he seems, I think, pretty confident in the bunch he's coaching. Uh, Some terrible turnovers they really need to fix, and uh, they're going to be taking on a team this week right in New York at home that I think they match up very well against. And, uh, uh, they match
1: up against, well against most teams in the league right now, Alan. I think you could say that about the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, it'll be a fun no, game. Dallas, watch,
2: dog. Dallas plays New York this week.
1: Oh, excuse me, Dallas. They, yeah. they match up well against every team, too, right now. They've only lost to the two best teams in the league. Uh, one saying. of them, they don't have to play again. Uh, so, and they matched up pretty well against Houston this week. So uh, credit to them. Uh, Dallas will We'll uh, we'll make things interesting, though, if they don't win this game, because lurking right behind them are the Dragons and the Wildcats. Let's talk about the scariest team from week four. What a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up.
0: Viper's playing with the house money. This is probably the third play we've seen tonight where it's been a broken play. Something's gone wrong. Now, all of a sudden, something's gone right. That
2: is how you know it's your day. Balls bouncing backwards and forwards right into your tight end's hands. The Vipers just had it going. Every blitz Jerry Glanville dialed up. I mean, I don't even know if he could actually see what the offense every was. Blitz?
1: Sh- every you blitz?
2: Every. I mean every play? Just play, every play. <laughs> blitzed every play. But I don't even know if he could see what the offense is showing him because he's wearing shades at night. But Jerry Glanville was on a roll and the vipers were scary good their running backs both had over 100 yards rushing and made the dc defenders look silly on defense i mean the poison's gone man all the all that that venom the self-inflicted venom. wounds in the vipers vipers it's all gone they're they're healed and they're ready to strike and they did on dc Woo! Ready
1: to, dun, 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 dun. Honestly, Ready to strike.
2: Honestly, if I get to play that theme song every week, Brian, I, I'm down. I like seeing Tampa Bay perform like that and uh, get their first their first team win ever. And, uh, you know, that was really huge. Mark Trestman, a lot of people saying mean things about our good friend Mark Trestman with how he handled his quarterbacks. Well, one left the team forced to start Taylor Cornelius. He went out there and was running away from guys, efficient, not turning it over, except
1: once. Uh, he had a bad interception. He had a bad interception.
2: Great read bad by Raheem
1: Moore on that play.
2: And even better explanation of his interception afterwards, which was my second favorite part of this game besides watching Jacques was Patrick get that touchdown. I mean, that guy, what a week he had. His father passed away, and he goes out there, and it looks like one of the – meanest running backs in this league i mean the the two-headed vipers the two snakes they got running the ball slithering in the backfield bryant all the snake puns for patrick and devion smith i can't say enough about that performance it was very reminiscent of what la did the week prior for tampa bay they need to hope now that they don't have a response game like la did after their big victory over dc
1: well la hopes they have a response game like la did uh this week coming up uh we got to talk about DC. I know it's 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 a uh, interesting conversation P. to be had. We bench him. We uh, we talked about it. A little, already a little bit here, Alan. What is going on with the DC defenders? Are they being exposed? Are they not prepared? Are they overthinking things? Um, are they not ready? What is going on? P. with P. ready. The DC defenders that uh, they have to fix because it it's only a ten week season, Alan, and they got to fix these things quickly.
2: What we said earlier, similar to what we saw with the turmoil of the Guardians, but with the Guardians, it seemed like it was just one player. These are two players and DeAndre Tompkins and Cardell Jones who maybe aren't on the same page. Pep Hamilton, is he asking Cardell Jones to do too much? And is the fact that Cardell Jones and that offense, they're getting so many three and outs last two weeks, is that why the defense looks so bad? I'm going to say no. I think the personnel on the defense – is really getting exposed for being pretty weak against the run. I think uh, this week we, we, we saw that, but also uh, loading up against L.A. L.A. didn't have to run the ball. L.A. would then hit the outside, and D.C. would have to chase guys down, and then they'd get run over. Martez Carter was running guys over, uh, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield two weeks ago. I think D.C. has got some tackling issues. I think D.C., has some uh, gas tank issues on defense and their offense isn't helping them. So vicious cycle. This is a team in danger. Good thing for them though. They do return home this coming week. Bad thing is they got Kaka, the Battlehawks, coming to town. They've won on the road before and going to DC. I don't think that's going to be anything for them. They play in loud environments all the time. DC has to get their act together, simplify the playbook for Cardale Jones first and foremost to get them going.
1: That that's a good start. You know, Pep Hamilton looked like a a candidate for Coach of the Year. You know, after week two, the way he you know would talk to his players, the way he would communicate. Uh, right now, he's got to figure out a way to get this uh, ship uh, figured out uh, by the uh, by the end of uh, this week because if not, they're gonna fall two games behind. Uh, the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Uh, Allen, Cardell Jones, to me, a lot of us on this show, basically everyone except you, picked him to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not looking like that. You know, The coach who we talked to a little bit ago said maybe this is the reason why he kept getting cut from team to team. This is what we're seeing. Uh, you hope not because he looked pretty good. That defense looked a lot better too. Uh, so I think the tools are there. The talent's there. For the dc defenders uh that's why it's so confusing to me why i can't seem to understand why this team is is as bad as they are right now that's why to me also uh they're worse off right now than than the new york guardians were last week molly whopped
2: just absolutely embarrassing losses the last two weeks to winless teams teams that you know you could have slammed the door shut on and now everybody's in it because of the DC defenders giving up these two these two victories to LA and Tampa. And now I'm honestly I'm I'm gonna go bold prediction now from stemming from this game because DC does look so bad to me, and because that was such an impressive win for Tampa Bay, and I'm a Trustman believer, and I picked them to go to the to the XFL championship. Um I'm gonna call it and say Tampa Bay is going to overtake DC and New York for that number two spot. Uh, by by week six. Is that possible? Because I think it's going to happen.
1: At the well, end a victory of week, this week and a the victory end of week next six. week. I think, yeah, because they hold victories over – well, they don't hold the victory over over New York, so New York would have to be underneath, underneath them.
2: New York has Dallas and Houston the next two weeks is which one of the reasons I look at that. Uh, not Not high hopes for them. D.C. against St. Louis this week. Tampa Bay, I think, has an excellent shot at at slitherin' back, slimy sneaky Tampa Bay, back to where Caesar's Palace thought they belonged. I mean, two two running backs, Patrick and Smith, Brian. Two with 100-yard games in the same game against this DC uh-huh. defenders. Does that say more about those guys or more about DC? I think it says more about those guys cuz they already were tops near the top of the league both of them in in rushing beforehand this is a team committed to the run i love that i love jordan mccray i love martez ivy of this offensive line they have a lot of good tools they just were kind of snake bit unfortunate bad bad mistakes early in the season coming together as a team what a way to do it at the expense of the dc defenders the most unfortunately named team when you play bad defense like
0: that
1: Uh, yeah and I'll, i'll i'll end it in this alan uh patrick and smith both individually gain the D.C. Defenders as a team. Love that stat. So, it was, <laughs> uh, so it's a, uh, a lot of things to be corrected by the D.C. Defenders. Tampa Bay looking like the team uh, that I picked uh, to win the XFL championship. And hope is still alive.
2: Why, Brian? Because what, you, what you're saying about this league?
1: Anything can happen in the XFL. That's true. Line of the week candidate. Preseason line of the week candidate, I think. That's That's... Definitely, it's definitely t-shirt worthy.
2: I think your best is beginners to enders, and then that one. Beginners to enders is good, too. Um, Preparation would have been good if D.C. started playing like they were after two weeks. You know, as soon as you coined preparation, D.C. hasn't
1: won a game since. Maybe blame you. (laughs) Oh, man. Allen, the standings right now. Houston sitting two games up on the Dallas Renegades. Uh, 3 games on the LA Wildcats and the Seattle Dragons, also the Battlehawks seem pretty in first place. But you know what? Technically, technically the DC Defenders and the Saint Louis Battlehawks are playing for first place this week. So think about All things said, anything can happen in the XFL. Think um, about that. Anything could happen think, in the XFL.
2: Think about what we were talking about 2 weeks ago, how that's flipped and now we're talking about DC in turmoil. Just with one victory in week five, just one win in this league could change everything that quickly. Next week, we might be saying again, man, DC's, they've got it all. They're going to win the East. (laughs) It could happen that quickly. (laughs) And it's not because we're fickle. It's because it's a 10-week season. It's because things are happening quickly. Everyone's acclimating to all the access, the new rules. It's insane every single week. It's so entertaining. It's so fun. But it's moving fast and after next week we will be or this week we'll be halfway through bryant so coming up on this next episode we really got to dig in deep and we have to be in mid-season form
1: uh you have to tell me what that is because again i'm an expert at a league that's beginning not a league that's performing uh, as i usually say what on is this mid-season
2: show? form <laughs> in the xfl we will find out
1: alan <laughs> i will say this as always uh, follow us on all social media platforms at XFL show. We have some polls up there. Uh, we try to give you some g- game day insights as well. Some cool little graphics there. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, subscribe and listen to us every single Tuesday morning, Thursday night on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, Spotify, or your preferred podcast app. Uh, also our mini uh, uh every single weekend after every single game. Uh, also catch us on XFL.com or on YouTube.com uh, slash XFL, the official youtube page you could see our XFL. faces right here go for three baby we've got the cameras up
2: and if if you want to see more of our faces you got it we're gonna give it you to want it down
1: i'm gonna give it to you right now well, well, not not what if right somebody now, says shows they, shows they don't that. want it no i, I don't really want it who he was talking to <laughs> <laughs> no oh man that's a lot of fun all
2: righty that does it for this episode Week 4 officially in the books, completely wrapped up. Thanks to Jonathan Coachman for joining us. Remember, you can catch him on XFL pregame on Saturday and Sunday to get you ready for both sets of games, along with Elise Ashton on that program on XFL.com and XFL YouTube and all the XFL social channels. As Brian said, at XFL show is us on Twitter. If you want to react to any of our polls and vote on those, we're going to put those up for you. Check them out. Vote Darius Victor. Vote Kristen Michael, whomever Bryant puts on the poll. Jacques Patrick Devion Smith. A lot of truckers at running back in this league. McGloin or Cardell, who had the bigger blowup? New York Guardians, D.C. Defenders, bigger turmoil. Lots of questions to ask you. We want to hear from you. So answer those polls or, or my favorite, call directly into the XFL fan line, 724 xfl We are going to play the best voicemails we get there on the next episode so make sure you call in and make it good give us your name where you're from who you root for if you got a caca let us hear it if you got to throw them off the rig let us hear it if you're ready to strike i want to hear you hiss let's do it on the xfl fan line 724-5654 xfl yeah as wildcats fans right now all we could do is meow 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 (laughs) maybe after week five though it'll be a different story We'll be looking to get you some, hopefully, some good, crisp interviews on the next episode. And, of course, those important week five predictions. Bryant, get those ready. Get your clock of the week set. We're tied, right? Stalemate, we both went two and two this
1: past week. No. Well, this week, but I was still up one game, so I'm still up one game.
2: Still up one game. Carries over into week five. This is where I get you, and this is where we say goodbye for this episode for Bryant I'm Allen. This is the XFL show. Remember, they're listening.